So it's generally been a long time I've wanted to do this. We've been talking about music and, and being indie for a, a kind of a really long time now. So it's, it's an exciting thing to welcome Corinne Campbell in the studio. How are you doing? Are you good? I'm good. I'm good. Good. So I've never done this before, as you can tell, but you're a seasoned yeah. pro, right? I am, yeah. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> good. Sure, sure. Well, you know I'll, what it, I'll help you out throughout. I appreciate that because, you know, I've, I've never done anything like this before, but for some reason, I genuinely feel like uh, in my career and the, and the, the careers that I'm watching at the moment in music, I feel like a lot of the stuff we've been discussing behind the scenes for a long time are kind of really, really relevant to a lot of people. Um, mm. yeah. The way I feel at the moment it is, without a doubt, the most exciting time to be in music, to be creating music right now. And, and this video is kind of me trying to tell the world as best I can why that is. Right. Um, but I went on Instagram and Facebook and, and whenever I see musicians reach out, they always tend to ask the same questions. Mm. Uh, and it might be an idea, if you're up for it, that I just dive in and give you some of the, some of the standard questions that I'm asking between the two of us we can figure out how to answer yeah, them as yeah. best we can. Yeah. The first one, how do I get a record deal? Oh, jeez. That's uh, how do I win the lottery? Yeah. Very similar odds. Um, I think one thing that there a lot of people are doing is focusing on how do I get someone else to do all the work, mm. uh, which is the problem, which is why a lot of people don't get record deals is because they're not establishing them, their artistry, their music, their business, mm. you know, um, modern music because of the fact that everybody can go online and, you know, find all these answers and produce music on their Mac laptop in GarageBand or whatever, um, or better things, hopefully. Um, it makes it so that the saturation of the number of people looking for record deals and the record deals that are, you know, really available, it's just such a high ratio. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think that a lot of people just think that, well, if I have some really great music, then... I'll find someone else who will rocket me into success. I think it's the wrong question. Well, I mean, it's um, it's something that I had a problem with as well. My, when I started out, I was always looking for people to yeah. do everything else for me. Right. I was always trying to find that manager, that agent, that, that publicist, someone right. that was going to take my project and blow it up and, mm -hmm. and I was going to be successful off the back of it. Right. And I think just through sheer... Uh, letdowns and I don't say letdowns because anyone in particular let me down I, I mean it in the sense that my product might not have been good enough you know mm -hmm. my business model might not have been good enough the way that I was interacting with supporters might not have been you know in the right line right and it, it, it forced me to be able to, to have to figure a lot of these things out myself and and that was that's kind of the first thing that I tell people is like when you're asking for a label deal is asking why and people often don't know why they want it they often say oh i just need someone to get my music on spotify i need someone to just like get my music on radio one right you know and it's it's interesting because it it seems like a lot of people think that the record label you know will have some kind of automatic formula yeah, yeah like okay we signed this person so now we do these things and i think that there's some truth to that mm. there are labels and managers that have kind of a formula um, that they apply and, and then therefore the artist would not have to learn these yeah. things. I think the problem with that though, is that there's a lot that has to happen before you can apply that kind of formula mm. to something. What, you, so do you mean in the sense of development? Yeah. Artist development, which I know, you know, there are plenty of 
record labels and managers who do artist development and there are development deals. But I think that there's a certain amount for them to be prompted to take an action with an artist that way. They have to see that there's something viable happening um, that they can then kind of latch on to and yeah, yeah. grow. Um, you know, I think it's kind of the difference between investing in a savings account and investing in stocks or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because in a savings account, like there's a, a little bit of improvement, but it's very small. Um, whereas if you invest in, well, let's not say Spotify today. <laughs> based on the market recently. But, you know, if you invest in Apple, Apple's growing. If you invest in Google, Google's growing. Um, And a lot of people who do day trading will invest in businesses that are showing a ton of potential. So they'll, even though the stock is worth very little at the moment, they'll invest in that company because there's so much potential for them to kind of invest and then be an exponent to the current trajectory, which is already growing. But I mean, I suppose straight away, you've come into that from a very business angle, like a very diplomatic business-based angle. And that's yeah. sadly... That's uh, how I live though. Yeah, but, but this is a thing. Because <laughs> that's reality to me. It, but, but it's not reality to you. That's reality of how the world works. Right, and, right. you know, um, a lot of people, sort of myself included in my early career, I think it's very easy to look at artists who are killing it in the game. It's yeah. easy to look and go, well, this person signed to Columbia. I, I need to get a record deal from Columbia. Do you know what I mean? Or yeah. this person signed under Warner and they're smashing it. So let's right. figure out how do I get in those doors. Mm-hmm. And that almost becomes the focus before you start considering the product. Yeah. Well, I think there were – I wish there was more transparency in how different labels – have discovered and chosen the artists that are on Mm. their label, Uh, especially because with PR, like there's all kinds of stories out there about how someone was discovered or how they ended up on a label or whatever that is just like, come on, like it's just fluff. I I remember when the Cinderella story of musicians, you know what I mean? I think it was, you know, it was when Lana Del Rey first came on, on Mm. mainstream radio here in the UK. Yeah. I think it was Fern Cotton at the time. She said she was on her show and she was just like, oh, you know what? I was on YouTube last night and I found this artist. Yeah. And I just loved it so much. So we put it on the playlist and I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe that flies with most people, but... Right, right. Well, and it's feasible even more so now yeah. than it used to be, right? Yeah, true. Um, you know, a lot of people are looking at influencers mm-hmm. and trying to contact influencers to repost their stuff. And mm-hmm. there's there's so many things about the way that we use social media and the internet generally now that it makes it it seems very realistic for someone to just pluck you out of obscurity because they found your stuff somewhere. Yeah. And that kind of feeds into to one of the next points about the, the kind of overinflation game of, of numbers on social yeah. media, because, you know, we see it all the time and I have conversations countlessly with artists that say, Oh, you know what? Um, this person's just got this because of their social media numbers. This person's got X amount of followers on Instagram. That's what's done that. Right. And it, always leads to the same kind of thing of taking shortcuts in trying to get attention. You know, we all know you can buy numbers, you can inflate stuff with robots. There's all sorts of trickery that you can play out when it comes to how you are seen online in that world. And I mean, we've both got quite a bit of experience in this, but like, I'd love to see, you know, you're always great with your pragmatism in explaining these things. When people say to me, you know, why don't I just get 100,000 followers on Instagram for 100 bucks right. uh, and then I can be treated seriously? Right, right. And I always say, look, it's more complicated than that. The yeah. damage that's going to do for you in the long run is uh, really an, uh, an extortionate price you have to pay for that. Right. Well, and I think also it's extremely naive 
to think that the labels or managers or whoever it is that you're trying to get the attention of, it's really naive to think that they're not hip to the tricks. Yeah. Uh, is even if you have a hundred thousand followers on Instagram, the first thing that they're going to go look at is what your metrics are on your posts, mm-hmm. right? So. You know, yeah, you've got 100,000 followers, but 12 of them liked your recent post, and which is going to happen if you buy followers. Mm. Bought followers do not engage with you in the future. Um, so then you are like, well, I need to make sure my posts have some engagement, you know, and so then you go so buy. You feed the beast. Yeah, so then yeah. you feed the beast and buy more bots who will interact with your posts. Mm. Um, and, you know, so generally the number that I kind of see when I'm working legit accounts who have not done this. Their engagement rate is roughly two to three percent mm-hmm. per post. So if you have a thousand followers, that means two to three hundred people are interacting with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little higher if it's videos because Instagram shows you the views, not the likes. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that's just generally like the standard, right? So it's not just that they're looking at these engagement rates, mm-hmm. but it's also that there is an algorithm, right? If you're on your phone. Everything that's being fed to you, whether it's ads on a website, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Facebook, all of it is taking data that it knows about you as a bit, as a behavior model. Well, I think I, I can't remember the, the exact statistic, but I looked at how many videos and photos were posted on Facebook and Instagram. It was, it was ludicrous. Oh, it was yeah. like thousands and thousands. And, and the, 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 the point that kind of leads on what I think you're about to say is the amount of traffic like a bottleneck that's trying to get to your feed is unreal. Right. So these guys, if they're gonna if Facebook and Instagram are gonna make any kind of decent experience for the user, they've got to figure out a way of of kind of plucking out the relevant media for you. And that's Absolutely. kind of how we start to run into trouble with the bots, right? Yeah. Well, and that's why, you know, they're trying to feed you things that you're going to engage with so mm. that you stay on their platform. I mean, their business is just like Basically, anything else. Yeah. yeah. So they can't sell advertising if users get tired of seeing the wrong stuff in their newsfeed. So the problem is that when you have these bots, um, if you're paying for them to engage with your posts, the, you know, say it's Instagram, Instagram will start to learn, okay, this is what the people look like who want to see this content. But the problem when you have these bots and fake likes and whatever, or even if they're real, yeah. real users, real UK users, real US users, they're not real, they're fake people. Um, and, how, and out of interest, like how, cause we didn't really touch on this before, but how do they do that? You were saying something about stream farms and stuff there's a million there's a million ways but a lot of them even if they're say they're u.s they're actually based from a foreign ip where either you know actual person cost Mm -hmm. is low or where it's low cost to run you know a click farm and this is where you see a lot of artists who are kind of killing it in indonesia or bangladesh or yeah and so they just they use like ip proxies right so um if you're in the uk and you want to watch hulu you have to have an ip proxy that says that you're in the u.s so essentially which you've never done i have never done that um that's a bad thing to do but essentially what they do is they're based in thailand or wherever they have really cheap people cheap laborers or even these huge rooms with just you know tens of thousands of mobile devices streaming like they're getting their commands from a central hub and it's saying okay go stream this go click on this go do these things um and they'll or they'll just do it like not even with these mobile devices if it's not streams it's if it's like these likes they don't even have to have a monitor this is something the computer just does within itself and it sends these commands out 
bounces it off an IP in the US or in the UK or mm -hmm. in Australia. And then it looks like the user is from there. And that that uh, paid kind of situation means, you know, you might be an R&B artist and then a country artist does it. And then some crappy independent movie mm. wants to have people engaging with their stuff. So they do it. And pretty soon these profiles start to kind of take over what Instagram is evaluating as the user who would enjoy this content. Well, I, I know from experience there's going to be a lot of people watching this who are going to be thinking, I get what you're saying. But the power in those numbers is such that you can monetize it in a really big way. Now, obviously, I'm playing devil's advocate here. Yeah. But recently, we saw the Fire Festival documentary. A lot of people mm -hmm. are talking about that. And that, there's a prime example where, you know, and I'm those not, were real influencers. Yeah, they were real influencers. But That's I suppose the part of it. Whether, whether or not um, the, the, whether or not those numbers are real or fake, the fact of the matter is numbers talk. Mm -hmm. Numbers talk and numbers can demand real money. Right. fake or otherwise right so there's a lot of artists out there in this space who are thinking well look if i want to pick up a session with someone if i want to get the attention of a label there is maybe a certain length down that road that they can achieve by yeah. faking it yeah is there a value in faking it to any extent in your mind i mean well it depends on you know your personal gray areas right i mean i don't think it's worth it because i think it ruins so many things about scaling your stuff. Mm. And that means even if you stay independent, if you sign with a label, once they dig into your stuff, they're going to be like, oh, there's nothing actually here. Yeah. It's actually, it's fraudulent. So if you're an indie and you're doing it, like uh, if you haven't, Google this metal band named Threaten. You were telling me about this. Before, yeah, yeah, it's I-N. But essentially he came to the UK. He's an LA based, he's a dude by himself. Yeah. He hired a band. He flew them to the UK and Germany for a tour. He had amped up his YouTube numbers, his Facebook, his Instagram. He even got his Wikipedia page taken down multiple times because it was full of BS. The ultimate fake it till you make Yeah, it. and he, yeah. you know, he said, "Oh, we're working with our own promoter. Mm. We've pre-sold this many tickets." Blah blah blah. He showed up to the first venue in the UK, and four people arrived that were all on the guest list. Um, he literally had nothing that could actually bring anything to the room, and he just dumped all of this money into looking like a big deal. Mm. Now. Obviously, he hit the news. He was he was talked about in Billboard. It was all over the internet. Like people were like, "What is this craziness? Like, how did this guy fool these booking agents?" Mm -hmm. And that's how he did it was by faking all of this what we call social proof and these vanity metrics, yeah. these things that look good from the outside and you wouldn't really know unless you got in there. Um, well, so I suppose that comes on to everyone um, coming at this from an indie perspective when they're, when we're talking about the no, advocacy. No, that's of, what of... I mean though. So there's the, the danger of mm. that as an independent, but it's even worse if you're looking for a record deal mm. or for management, because as soon as they realize that you faked all of this, you've entered a contract under fraudulent circumstances. And if a manager or a labor were smart, they would dump you in that instant and have that contract dissolved mm -hmm. because what you presented to them was essentially the same, like, you know, say I start this tech company or like fire festival, right? Say that I'm fire festival and I'm like, yeah, this is what we're selling. This is what's going to happen. And, you know, invest in this project. And then turns on the back end that he couldn't deliver it in any way and he ripped people off to the tune of like 25 million dollars if you think that he doesn't owe those people back that money you're 
terribly wrong or they didn't read the contract they signed. Mm. They absolutely have a right to come back and say, first off, we're not going to work with you. Also, we invested in a fraudulent situation. Therefore, you owe us whatever we paid you. You have to pay that back. And um, like you never want to start a record or management relationship that way where it's like, oh, yeah, I, I gave you all these smoke and mirrors. And now it turns out you have absolutely nothing to work with and you're just building from the ground up anyway. And and most importantly, if you are representing yourself, if this is your business, I mean, I rely so much on my socials. If I've got a tour, yeah. I sell tickets. I, you know, people stream my music. They buy my album based right. on the, my ability to connect with real people and yeah. obviously like if you're if you're a musician out there if you're an indie out there and you're genuinely considering this you know i hope that that's that's the absolute nail in the coffin of why it should never ever yeah be you're just either, build it authentic or authentically right you're either being fraudulent to the manager label or you're being fraudulent to your potential fans which is I or think, you're being fraudulent to yourself you're always being fraudulent that's to yourself simple. from the instant you start you know with those things. So, yeah, I mean, and, you know, slow and steady is not a fun way to do it. And it doesn't look from the outside as if any artists in the industry mm. are doing it that way. Yeah. But they are, you know, they absolutely genuinely are having to nail through it just like anyone else. There's mm. not this whole fairy tale thing that everyone thinks about. Oh, I got signed and then I blew up and now I'm Taylor Swift. You know, like it's exactly. just not reality. Well, it kind of brings on to to one of my next points about running before you can walk mm. and somewhat of a personal um, kind of a personal barrier of mine is I've always been impatient, like big time impatient. I've always wanted no way, to, really? yeah, believe it or not. <laughs> I've always wanted to go and achieve straight away. Uh, and I would work very, very hard to do that, but often it wasn't working very smart. Mm -hmm. And one of my first mentors um, before we started the COVID project, they said, Stop everything, cancel all the tours, go and sit in a studio and write me a song every day. Yeah. And I hated it. It was the worst, uh, worst couple of years. It actually ended up being a couple of years. It was two years wow. pretty much. Yeah. And I was just in a studio writing and writing and writing and writing. And as much as I hated it at the time, I so value that now looking back because I realized that most artists are similar to me. They are impatient and they want to take shortcuts. They want to run before they can walk. And they don't really want to put that serious hard graft into yeah. the product and make it amazing, you know? Right, right. Well, and that'll also make your music career just a really tumultuous place, even if you do succeed. Mm. Not understanding how to get these pieces of infrastructure, mm. right? So like having really great songs and really great music. If you're a terrible writer and like say you got some miraculous fairy tale deal you're going to end up going to the studio and being just absolutely dismayed at the fact that you're not even allowed to write your own stuff anymore yeah. or contribute to it, you know, because in reality, like you're not skilled at that. Um, well, and one, you can't be skilled at something you've never done. Exactly. One, and one of the things that, um, that uh, resonated with me was discussing with other co-writers and I was saying, look, you know, I was wondering, is it really necessary to spend that amount of time in a studio just working on just writing songs? I can't remember who it was, but they said to me, I think it was Julian Emery, and he said, he said, look, mate, whilst we're having this discussion, there's like, there's the joint over in King's Cross. This is like a hotel. is like fucking hundreds of rooms, mm -hmm. all with writers in there. Mm. And he's like, every day, there are hundreds of writers whose only job is to write songs. Right. And they're all writing songs every day, hundreds of them. And they're getting placed to the biggest artists in the world and they are the biggest records in the world. It's mm -hmm. it's so easy to forget 
the fierce competition that's involved in writing songs and just how much graft, blood, sweat and tears has to go into that process of making the product good. And, you know, I think, you know, as an artist yourself, you must be in that position where you're always trying to improve, you're always trying to graft. And the fact is, sometimes when I have these conversations with people, I just think, um, it's like looking at myself before I went through that process. And I'm like, yeah. just stop. Just go in the studio and just get fucking great at writing yeah. songs first. Or your living room. You know what mm. I mean? Like exactly. just doing any anything that you want to do in life, you can't do without practice. Mm. And it's it's ironic that we're kind of in this place now where everyone's so used to instant gratification that when they want to become an artist, they just want to be on stage and have people singing back to them. Yeah, and they don't sure. think like, oh, I should be a freaking bawling singer and an amazing songwriter and I should be worthy of that attention. They don't think that for one second because Kylie Jenner didn't earn it, so why should we? You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's you know, so it's kind of like we're used to just saying like, no, this is what I want to be and I'm going to chase that down without this, this earning. And I hate to like... I, sometimes when I talk about this, I feel like a grumpy old lady that's like, these kids, they don't know. Like, you know, but it's just, it, it's something where if you truly love it, mm. you'll want to do these things so mm. that you can actually become a persona. And that is what, if you're looking at partnering, if you don't want to be independent, that's the stuff that shines off of you. Mm. That's what actually, so even if like your socials aren't doing great or whatever, those are the things that, you know, labels and managers, they see it in a person. It's called the it factor, right? The X factor. Um, not to, you know, I know X factor is a thing, but not that X factor. But there's something that is innately pr- just kind of like coming out in an aura. Yeah, you know? no, but I'm with you. But I know what you mean when you talk about stuff like this, because the, the, the last thing I want to do as well is come across like some overly virtuous like spokesperson for how things should be done. Because right. the reason why all of these subjects are being brought up like they are is because I'm guilty of practically every one of them. Yeah, like, and, yeah. and you know, my next we thing, we all are. Yeah. But I mean, my, and my ne- it kind of leads into that factor of entitlement, mm. you know, like the music industry is a really brutal place to exist. Yeah. And when you're in it long enough, you kind of feel like you must be some kind of psychotic to continue doing it because. Oh, every artist is a sadomasochist. Must most be. definitely. I mean, when I started off in music, I thought, <laughs> right, I want to get a guitar around my neck and I want to play stadiums and life's going to be great and I'm going to drive sports cars and like women are going to be throwing themselves. At us. Like life's going to be incredible. Right. And then you start grinding at it and you have all of that like entitlement kind of kicked out of you in a really, really fierce way. And right. when you talk about X Factor, it's kind of there's similarities in how some people can become in a cocoon and they listen to their family, they listen to their friends, mm-hmm. and they exist in this bubble where people might really be like, oh, you know what, you're great, you're great, you're great. And and then as soon as you come out of that into the real world, you realize, you know, you're not special. No one right. owes you anything. Right. And if you're going to have any hope of even rolling the dice at getting anywhere in a career, mm-hmm. you better start with like an insane amount of graft. Yeah, and absolutely. that's a huge problem. I think that's the really, it comes with being a creative and it's something that we have to fight in ourselves, like purposefully, intentionally fight, which is that, uh, you know, my song is original. It belongs to me. Mm. It's about this really long story that 1% of my fans would even care about from my life, you know? And so we innately have to feel that, that uniqueness, that how we're special and how our story is very different from anyone else. 
but so is everyone else's. But <laughs> so do you find do their you, story is different too. You know, you you're competing with that. Maybe in a way, though. Like, I, I mean, I know we're talking about music specifically, but like, maybe there's a bit of that just happening in life anyway. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of oh, very yeah. unhappy people at the moment well, in life. I don't think it's too just that it's unhappy. It's that social media has encouraged all of us to develop a brand and aesthetic. Yeah. These are the things I post about. Even people who have no career whatsoever or are 15 years old and don't even know what they want to do have some kind of brand because it's like, oh, I have a link in my bio and this is how I describe myself and this is how I present myself. And that kind of thinking yeah. is most of the first world population that's on social media, you know, which is why people post only the glamorous parts of their life um, or they post really depressing like, stuff. These are that's the things fine too, I post about. But we're all very used to projecting information about ourselves, whether we want to be an artist or whether you're just somebody down the street. We're just like, look at, look at, look at, you know, yeah. listen to what I'm doing, look at what I'm doing. Um, and what that's done is generated this, this very self-aware but not externally aware existence in a lot of individuals. And also it exerts a crazy amount of pressure on oh, anyone yeah. starting anything. And sometimes, uh, I mean, getting a bit more personal in this front it's like i've some i have genuinely sometimes been kind of in a way attacked about talking about this stuff which is weird right mm. because whenever i talk about music and kind of how to approach it and how to think about it i do it because number one i've made like tons of mistakes i have i've right. learned i've also learned loads yeah and i like to think that if i could speak to my 17 year old self and i'm like hey dude look i know you think this but Oh, you yeah. know, learn, learn, learn. And and if I can like impart this to other people and other musicians, if I can teach what I've learned, I'm like all for it. Yeah. So then the problem comes where look, I've decided to be indie and I do my own thing and I'm happy with how my career is going and I love playing shows and ha and having supporters and it's fantastic. And then some people go, yeah, but you've never like had a top 10 record or you never had a number one single and like what? And I, but it happens a lot. So whenever I talk and try and yes, but have you? Like we, I, I would think through life we would constantly be looking to people who, even if they're just one step further than we are, why not learn from their mistakes? But their you missteps see and the same. Wins? You see the same with young people. You know, not even just young people. All people. We see the one percent mm -hmm. right at the top. And then we instantly go, well, that's where we should be. And you forget about the iceberg underneath. You know, right, you forget right. about the the you forget about the real world for a minute. Yeah. And, it, and music's the same. Instagram's the same. Mm -hmm. Social media does this. Mm -hmm. And you know, one message to to put out there in music is like the real way to win in music is if you can live, pay your rent, pay your mortgage, and exist and do what you love every day. Like, yeah, hundred percent made it. Like we both know. Plenty of people in major deals in the with in the under the big spotlights, and not all of them have the glitzy, glammy world that a you think they have. Don't. Yeah. yeah, a lot of them don't. And I think it's just it's very easy to look at someone else's life and mm. be like, "How do I get that?" Um, and I I think even defining that as a goal is a dangerous thing. Yeah. It, even if you're not a creative at all, even if you're not a musician, it's very dangerous to just look at someone's life from the outside mm. and be like, that's what I want my life to look like. Because there's, you know, 90% of that person's life you'll never see and you know nothing about. So who knows what you're actually shooting for? What are you actually trying to accomplish? You know, right. but nowadays we live in like this golden, golden era for, for music and where it's going to go. 
Mm. And I think that there's a necessary evil that, that it comes into play with that, and that's Facebook marketing. You know, we all, we've all seen it on the news. We've all seen the scrutiny under the amount of data that companies collect on our behalf. Right. But, you know, the brass tax is, is understanding that with platforms like Instagram, like Facebook, the amount of information that there are on people in order to get your message heard to the right audience and exclude mm-hmm. the wrong audience mm-hmm. is incredible. And, it, oh, and yeah. it doesn't take a rocket scientist to be able to like uh, to implement this stuff, right? Right. Well, and it's it's difficult because a lot of musicians, I mean, if you're an independent musician, mm. your plate is full automatically yeah. if, if you're actually chasing anything. And I think there's a lot, especially there's a lot of musicians who are trying to self-produce, mm. self-mix, self-master, self-website, you know, website, like everything, do themselves. Mm. And... Um, a lot of people are like, you know, I don't want to have to learn more tech. I don't want to have to learn these additional skills. Tough. Yeah, that's kind of my... Learn it. I know. Anyone watching right now, learn Facebook Business Manager. Learn yeah. Google Ads. Learn this stuff. Mm-hmm. I hated it. I didn't want to learn it. But out of necessity, I did. And thank God right. you were there to sort of like guide yeah. me along my path. Yeah. But these tools are... These tools have never been available before. That's right. what I find exciting. It's like... Oh, it's a huge opportunity. It's massive. I mean, the, the traditional way of marketing music and the way that it's kind of still being done now, and, and you see it all the time, it's like, right, pick up an artist, get a million quid together, let's hope radio are going to play it, let's hire some publicists, let's hope that people are going to like it and write articles about it, mm-hmm. let's hope that it works. There's, there's always that extent of throwing a load of money down, sitting there with your fingers crossed. Right. And what this tech allows you to do is have that real-time analytics of where is the engagement? Is right. it real? Does my product suck? Yeah. What demographic of people connect with this particular song? How right. do I find more of those people? Right. And this is the thing that excites me most about people who might be, whether they're watching this video and coming across this, trying to learn it for themselves, but that's a real big takeaway. And I mean, I know you're an absolute pro in this field, but surely you, you, <laughs> you must see sometimes i think what well, are we are we just completely crazy like a lot of people think we are that we're going to do this completely online now but right. i don't think so i think this is the way that in five years when we watch this video back we'll go like see everyone yeah. went on to i would i would love it to be documented that we're like predicting the future you know and then come back and <laughs> confirm that we are correct but just for the sake of clarity with this stuff because we've been working in this space a while now um right. and a lot of people watching they're going to be thinking what the hell is many chat what, what are you even talking about yeah. how what how do you connect all this stuff up google it I mean, sometimes. <laughs> well, there you go. All right, sometimes I jump ahead, um, and it's for the purposes of the fact that, like, you should feel a little behind hmm. if you don't know what ManyChat is, and if you haven't heard that before. Um, and I'm not trying to be that rude, but um, you you should feel like I'm a little bit behind the game, and you should go Google it. You shouldn't look for a course on it. Just go freaking Google it. There's so many YouTube tutorials that can teach you all of these different things. Um, but the other the other thing to understand is, and take me as a great example. Mm-hmm. You know, we were discussing this stuff a while back, and you were saying, "Look, you got to learn this stuff." And yeah. I was in the studio working on an album. I was on tour. I was cracking on, and that was not on my list of priorities. Tough. Exactly. Now, now the the point I'm just getting across. Just to quote though, you. Just to quote yeah, you. Yeah. Just. But to, uh, but the point I'm getting across, right, is you you like hounded me to the point that I got on it. I started working on it. Mm-hmm. spending a lot of hours discussing as everyone who watches my stuff knows i'm there like i'm talking to everyone right and only after doing it and actually seeing the point of why these tools are in place yeah did my mind explode and i was like oh my god this is the future and i think part of the problem is you have sorry not really part of the problem but part of the explanation 
is that you have that understanding, the grounding, the experience to know how to use these tools. Mm -hmm. A lot of people watching, they're going to be hearing about these tools, Zapier, ManyChat, this stuff, and it's going to seem very, very like alien and do we really need them? And I suppose what Which I'm makes you sound is- like an old man already. And a lot of these people are in their 20s, mm. you know? Um, it's one of those things too, though, where it's like, I didn't go to school for yeah, this. For sure. Well, this I'm, stuff has only existed for a few years. Exactly. And when MySpace, you know, came up, I was like, ooh, I want to figure out how to make my MySpace profile look bomb. Yeah. And so I taught myself HTML yeah. so that I could do that. I taught myself how to encode PayPal, like before PayPal buttons were a thing and PayPal was just like literally like a personal way to send money and that's it. Mm. And there weren't these business tools and all this I learned how to get people to be able to send me money in PayPal and send out an album, you know? Um, and so all of these things are. They're you at know, the end of your fingertips. I mean, look at Shopify. Yeah. And if people haven't and picked I didn't, up Shopify, nobody yet, trained me. You know what I mean? Like all of this is completely self taught, well, and also, anyone can do it. It's a not, I'm not an expert because I have some kind of training. And I think that's the thing that people really need to know is that. You can do this. It's mm. not that hard. You just have to plot on with it and decide, like, I'm doing this. And the amount of open source stuff, the amount of open mm-hmm. source software, the, the apps that you can get in Shopify, Yeah. you know, where you've got automatic dispatch at e-tickets, you've got print-on-demand mm-hmm. merch, where you haven't... I, I can imagine it back in the day where you had to spend a fortune, take stock risk, hope that oh, the design's yeah. going to sell. Now you oh, can I was test individually stuff, like. screen printing tees. Like if you think you're busy, like, so not only was I talking to these people every day and going live every week and, you know, manually taking their PayPal payments and, you know, then writing their address on a label and sending it to the mm. post office. Like not only all that, but also like every tea that came in until I was making enough money to order a run, mm. I was, I made screen prints from the sunlight, you know, <laughs> like, cause you can do it with exposure, almost like film for mm. a photo. So I was making my own screens and figuring out how to paint onto shirts mm. And like, that is the origin of my career. And, you know, now I have fans that have been with me for 10 years Mm -hmm. and I spent six years as a sponsored artist for the U S military, which was a really weird fit, but nonetheless I did. Um, and my, my greatest source of income Mm -hmm. is my music and it's actually part time right now. Mm -hmm. So one of the biggest thing is it's, it's, it's yours completely. It's, It's something that you run and you know, without being too preachy about it, for me, I love just having destiny in my own hands. I have one company, everything right. goes in there, and that's my life. And and I have, it's always, as you know, it's always a struggle. When, you, when you're when mm-hmm. you an independent artist, you're trying to figure out, well, how do I even monetize this? I want to do this as a career, but everything seems really complicated. And um, Oh, it is. It's, it is complicated. It's, it's <laughs> complicated, but it's so within reach now if you are good and if you yeah. focus on the product. and. Right. There's a couple of like really important things and and kind of diving into the point of this um, podcast and why my claim is that it's the most exciting time to be making music now is is if you spend the time and dedicate yourself to your craft and write songs that people are going to connect with. Well, not necessarily that, but write songs that are unique and, and good. You know, spend the time, really, really focus. Right. If you learn some basic tools, learn the online marketing stuff, if you learn how to use Facebook Business Manager, Google AdWords, if you learn the new technologies that come in, stuff like ManyChat, I think the only missing piece is like once you have that product and you have that ability to tell people about it, mm-hmm. is the measurement. 
and that's something until mm. even really recently that that again I wasn't great at but understanding how important it is to measure everything that's that's the what's the best way I'm trying to say this to measure the results from the different forms of input yeah like you'll know this hands down but I'm like a with the online marketing stuff I really kind of close my eyes and just kind of shot like this and hope that I'd hit something <laughs> and the yeah. ability to actually drill down and isolate what was effective against mm-hmm. what wasn't like that's almost like the key maybe to staying on the cusp of stuff and being yeah. able to be innovative of like how you're gonna how you're gonna break your music project you Absolutely. have to do that right oh for sure and I mean even if you just like go to your Facebook page as an artist you go to your Facebook page and go to the page analytics mm. it'll show you like what posts are most successful what are the things that people are responding to um, even though your organic reach might kind of suck, you know, like still of the people who are being fed that stuff, you know, create more of content like that. Yeah. When ads work, if you're running ads, you know, a lot of people probably aren't yet, but you should be. Run them. Yeah, now. you should be. Like, but again, I suppose it depends where you are in your career. But I suppose the point is the same. It's like if you are from Leeds or from Nashville or wherever the hell, Alaska, mm-hmm. if you're sitting there, start on your own city run some small spend ads don't start spending a fortune on it and make notes you know yeah. one of the things for me is i spent some cash with spotify ad studio you know mm-hmm. the where you you, you kind of get your music played in, in the ad breaks stuff like that i've spent money with shazam mm-hmm. i've spent money with facebook and the point being is sometimes you'll have a surprise right sometimes you'll be like okay well this week we shifted some units and this is a viable business thing because i'm going to earn more money than i come back and other things you might as well have just burnt the money and been warm for five minutes like exactly so you can start a bonfire with a pile of cash for sure yeah but if you're not you know we talked about this Mm. before but if there's no like girthy logs in that fire eventually Mm. all that cash is gonna it'll burn real hot and bright for a minute and then it'll be done and and labels go through the same thing like every time they sign a new artist you know they'll put all this money into it and they'll be all over all of the things because they get more guaranteed placements for PR and mm-hmm. playlisting and all of that not guaranteed but you know what I'm saying pretty yeah, much yeah, yeah. Um, and so they'll see all this fire and then in the end they're like okay how many units moved mm-hmm. and if there weren't enough that artist goes on a shelf yeah. because that that money wasn't well spent and I think that's something that people really need to consider um, is that you have to think about your stuff like a business and if something's not bringing you a return of some kind then you need to shift what you're doing you need to change strategy because that's obviously not working if you keep doing it over and over thinking oh i just need more people to see this and then it'll work it's probably not the case well i mean you're kind of stepping in the territory of the vanity project yeah and i think that um i'm always an advocate just being totally honest with this stuff like i've floated in and out of that yeah i have Uh, we all have Baby, you know, my first like 5,000 likes on my Facebook page, which is now over 10 years old, yeah. but the first five of the first 5,000 likes on that page, 3,000 of them are from Turkey, hmm. you know, and that was back because I didn't know any better. You but know? also I've the repercussions of that, that probably didn't really exist then. Those algorithms weren't in the same line, but I Not suppose- Not the way it does now, no. I suppose the, the, the vanity project in it general- It still bugs me to this day though, because I go <laughs> into my page and I'm like- people you from freaking Algeria and Turkey I know you're not listening to my music and you're surely not buying it <laughs> but it, it is maybe you see it uh, as well in yeah. the states but yeah. over here I see a lot of situations where people are funding a vanity project they're, oh, they're, they're sure. piling cash into something without considering the return of, of investment 
I've made so many mistakes in, in, in the sense where you do something and the dopamine rush is amazing. You know, like oh, you always yeah. say, you can't run a business on dopamine. Yeah. But sometimes you do something and the flood of engagement and excitement for what it is is so overwhelming mm. that it's hard to sit down, take a step back and go, okay, but how does this feed into the general campaign? What are we actually right. trying to do here? Right. And as a, an as a independent artist, you have to put both hats on. You have to step out and take your artist hat off. Right. And figure out, okay, how are you going to pay rent next month? How is this going to work? How is yeah. this actually going to function? And that is extremely difficult if you don't know about these tools and if you're not measuring what you're doing and if you're not getting the results down on a spreadsheet somewhere where you can look and go, okay, I did this. It was great. It made some cash. This didn't. It cost me a ton of money. If right. you can figure out both sides of the fence, then you you can win, right? And right. if you don't, then you're like double screwed. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think too, it's, you know – we, because of the age we live in, musicians aren't the only ones that are like, man, I don't want to learn all this stuff. Mm. Like there are, you know, bakeries opening in your hometown. There are restaurants opening. There are salons. There are all of these small businesses all across the world who are saying the same thing. Mm. Who are like, man, I just want to make really great artisan breads. Do I have to learn how to do a swipe up on Instagram for yeah. real? How do I even get people to care about my artisan breads? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how many pictures can I post of this haircut, you know? And so every single business thinks that way. But I think that's where there's a break is that musicians aren't thinking about what they're doing as establishing a small business mm -hmm. where you do things that are directly correlated to growing an audience so you can generate revenue. They're not thinking about that. But if you start thinking that way and then you go to the table with, you know, especially some of these, you know, companies in the music industry who have more of a data mind like Cobalt. Yeah, Cobalt's yeah. very data focused. Yeah. And if you go to the table and you say, here are here is the data mm -hmm. and here's the existing business that you are basically going to amplify the trajectory of but would continue without you. Mm -hmm. That's a whole different conversation than being like, yeah, but I'm talented, though. You know, like no, no one cares, yeah, you know, and well, so it's, it's, it's measuring that, that yeah. you can't present that without having measurements to do so. And you I know? suppose the other thing is, is there's also no escaping it. Like a, a pretty hot topic is, is the Spotify number stuff. And oh, without going into to, to names, but like in my circles, like mm. the guys, when they watch this thing, they're like, oh, fuck, I'm so glad that he didn't <laughs> name me. But the point <laughs> being is people game Spotify numbers all the time. Yeah. And to some extent it works. But what you're getting at, if you take companies like- And it's like, also, um, by the way, real quick, let me interject. It's, it's criminal. Mm. And Spotify will absolutely take down your music and shut down your account if they figure it out. And they're smart freaking people. Yeah, yeah. The guys at Spotify are smart. Yeah. And they absolutely- They'll figure it out. They're going to be one step behind mm -hmm. you. So you might get away with it for this long. Yeah. But then they're going to catch up and you're going to get your stuff shut down. And that, I mean, that is where we're heading, isn't it? Mm -hmm. If you take, you know, I'm, I'm a personal advocate of, of Cobalt anyway. I go through AWOL, distribute my, my stuff through them and they're, they're, they're decent people. But you can see when you go into the offices, you see the, the amount of tech minds mm -hmm. that are looking at the back end systems. Yeah. They know if you're, you're buying. Fool it, them. It, this is the thing. It's like, <laughs> A real big warning um, to any artists watching that are considering game, trying to game Spotify, trying to buy numbers. Look, it can be done. Right. You can do it for a hundred bucks and you can get whatever, hundreds oh, of thousands sure. of streams. Yeah. Don't do it. You're not tricking anyone apart from a few, you know, people in other artists or, or right. A&Rs. Maybe you'll get rid of, you'll trick a promoter. But in any kind of infrastructure that has the capability of investing into you is going to have a very quick 
understanding of your retail chain. They'll be able to see more than you see in your artist's Spotify it, dashboard, for it, sure. Exactly. I mean, whether whether you're going to a major, even the bigger indies nowadays, it's like they are going to see the first, it's like you said earlier, actually, I'm just kind of repeating your point, but they're going to see Please that do. data and they're going to see that retail chain straight away. They're yeah. going to see the finances. They're going to well, know you what know, money that generates. And speaking to that, like the same way that Facebook and your websites and Instagram are all built on algorithms, mm. Spotify's algorithms work very similarly. Mm-hmm. And so if you buy these fake streams, you are killing your opportunity to be on the right discover weekly because so say you buy all these streams you're like oh it made that single pop Mm -hmm. on discover weekly congrats but you're probably going to you know the profiles that are similar to your fake yeah want your fake streams and then you have a very low save count and spotify and that you can look it up on um they released this whole big video series about being an independent artist with spotify but they even said, like, if you're, um, if you know, you have low saves, if you're on Discover Weekly mm-hmm. and you have a low save rate, it kills. For sure. You know what's going to happen. So even if you're able that- to make Discover Weekly pop and you get your three tenths mm-hmm. of a cent um, times a lot of streams that month, if you game it too much, it'll throw it to the wrong people. They're not going to save it because they're fake profiles anyway, mm-hmm. and you'll drop right back off. Well, it makes me wonder and kind of hope because obviously the 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 spotify playlist the curated lists are Mm -hmm. what everyone is looking to now like the new radio playlist right you know it used to be about getting on the a-list of radio now spotify leading that field in a really really big way Mm -hmm. and it makes me wonder that we're gonna very quickly approach the day where it doesn't matter who is pitching it really right it's gonna matter what's the save rate Who's mm-hmm. actually enjoying this? Yeah, that's going to be the leader of how these curated lists are, are going to be put together because they're getting bombarded to such an extent they can't sit there. Oh and, man! You know they've got. I know people who aren't even curators at Spotify who just happen to have very popular playlists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. the number of emails they get, and that's another thing. A lot of playlist promoters, like people who will be like, "Oh yeah, we'll pitch your stuff to curators." Yeah. Really be careful with that stuff because if they're if they're not legit. Mm. Um, they basically will send like one of my friends runs a a very successful hip hop channel and he gets emails that literally have like a hundred links, a hundred listen links in it per day (laughs) from the same playlist pusher. And he's like, there's no way I'm going to click on any of these. Mm. Like this, this kind of email is not even worth my time. It's like for your consideration for this playlist. (laughs) <laughs> like you, list mean, of links so your your friend is a good example do mm-hmm. you find that now he's just looking much more at the back end data he's looking okay well what tracks are relevant in my field and, yeah. and obviously there's going to be there's you're never going to remove that personal uh kind of affliction is that the right word you know you never well, gonna... he, ch- he changed his email address yeah. he changed his email address so that um all of that stuff would go into junk well, even the and so he now he just tries to keep his thumb on the pulse. He doesn't even really look at these pictures anymore. And the ones that he does respect have his new email. And but, I suppose that even the the big Spotify curators that, mm-hmm. that I know, especially oh, out they're in London, inundated. That, but they even have auto pushes to Google Forms now. Yeah, it's just oh. like look if you're trying to pitch music. Stick it in this just Google go form, here and maybe I'll get to it because I can't hack it. <laughs> yeah. So then I, so then I wonder whether we all need to wake up extremely quickly and just ru- understand that. If e- I hope, I hope anyone that's come and seen this video with any thought in the back of their mind about gaming anything, yeah, has just made oh. make the decision now 
and just don't build right. it from the ground up. You, and even if you it starts can't extremely game small, an algorithm anyway, even if it works for a very short period of time, it will expire on you because yeah. there, you know, and, and it's just like anytime there's like a, a bug in something in Apple software, you know, yeah, like oh, it's exposed, and mm. you know, I, I think like they were talking about how FaceTime. Um, had a little bug in the latest update from Apple, and so if you called somebody, you could still hear hear them on on it before they'd mm. answered the call. It was a problem with FaceTime. Yeah. Apple put out a patch like two days later. So I mean, that's how these things are constantly working. And so the more people know, oh, mm. hey, you can Spotify game or you can gamify Spotify, gamify Spotify. <laughs> we'll get there in the end. <laughs> you can game Spotify. All the words. Um, you can game it by doing this. Mm. Is the more people that have tried that, utilized yeah. that, are doing it, the higher the chances that Spotify is like, oh, yep, saw that. <laughs> but the the thing to not forget is it's also a golden opportunity that mm-hmm. these things exist. It's like oh, if, for sure. if you if you treat it with respect and you build that audience, and I and I often consider myself really lucky that I didn't game it because there's plenty of times in my career where I was thinking yeah, it would really be handy before particular meet, do you know what I mean? I'm just being honest. Oh, and, yeah. And, and I didn't for whatever reason, I, I didn't. But now I look at this and I'm just like, thank God for Discover Weekly. Thank God for these re- release radar because yeah. where I have those real people, where I have that real interaction, even though my profile is like minuscule in comparison to a lot of, you know, the, right. the, the bigger artists out there, I know that I'm getting the bigger amplification to more people. Oh, yeah. So Spotify is working for me. They're yeah. seeing it. They're like, right, this is legit. These save rates are good. Let's boost this. Yeah. And I couldn't, you can't buy that, right. you know, to, exactly. to be hit, to let those look like algorithms hit the right people. So don't forget just how much Spotify are trying to help you make your engaging content reach more people that's yeah. what they were trying to do and it's easy to forget that it's, yeah. easy, to, it's easy to look well, it's at these things it's coded to do so yeah. it's not even like they're like oh I like his face so we're going to yeah. do that um, that might happen at the very very top tier mm. where they're like okay where are we going to put this latest single from Ariana Grande yeah, you know yeah. what I mean but otherwise they're not aware of individual artists mm. in a, it, it, but they coded the computer to be exactly so yeah. and be very cognizant of the user mm-hmm. and the kind what, what kind of music does Jerry listen to okay and now I'm going to go find all the things that Jerry might like because he's not going to keep paying $10 a month mm. if I don't feed him stuff he doesn't like, exactly. you know? So it's the same, it's the exact same concept. And actually, you know, a lot of things about how the, you know, the way Facebook works is very similar to the way that, um, that Spotify works. Mm. I mean, the algorithms have a lot of similarities. I'm really glad we did this because we, I know we've been having our chats for a long time. We've been working together for a year, roughly now. Ish. Yeah. Ish. And I genuinely feel like we are either lunatics and have just decided that we're going to do all this stuff and it's going to be a complete waste of time, or we've really developed a system and and developed something that is absolutely the future of music. And obviously, I think that's where we are, really. Yeah. Um, And I felt like in in this conversation, I could do my best to try and just get that out as much as possible and, and try and show people that it's more than possible to be an indie. It's more than possible to have your own store and your own shops and your own tours and you can do all of this stuff yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose well, just... I think something, and not to cut you off, but as an independent, like you can always hire a booking agent. Mm. You can always hire a tour manager. You can always hire the same people that a label would hire. Mm. 
you know, to, to add to your team. You can hire a content specialist. You can hire a website developer. You can hire an e-com specialist. You can hire an advertising agent. There's all kinds of things that if you are willing to just get your nose dirty yeah. at the beginning and, you know, get something in place where it's like, okay, I'm glad that I look like a big deal. I'm glad I got, you know, socials are doing these things and whatever, but I have real revenue coming in. That's all that's going to matter because you can outsource all of the rest of these things that a label would. Mm -hmm. And if you want to go to a label, you have, which I mean, I wouldn't, you know, and I've not, I've had opportunities to go to label and I haven't. Um, And I think that you feel empowered to make that decision and go to the table and have demands and be like, this is an actual partnership. This isn't you scooping me out of obscurity and doing something with me. I have something that's established, like we said earlier, has its own trajectory. And I'd love to have you be a part of that trajectory, but not if you're going to take 90% of everything and give me no advance. You know, you are in a place where you can negotiate reasonable terms for yourself as a person for a long-term deal. Well, I mean, what would you say to people, which is also a common thing that, that I have, is who say, well, look, you can't start something like this without money. You need investment. You've got to make a record. You've got to go and market this stuff. Whether you, yeah. you might be a pro right now. There might be people watching going, okay, right, I've done all the things. I'm a pro at Facebook business marketing now. I'm a pro at Google Ads. I've got an incredible record. And they go, right, I need 100 grand to actually do this. I need, mm-hmm. I need money now to actually produce an album, to actually go on a tour. This stuff is all expensive. Like, what well, you do better you say? start saving. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you, there's a the really great podcast that I love called the side hustle mm. and uh, it's a little green, green banner. Um, but essentially it's con- every single week they're talking to entrepreneurs of all different kinds, mm. creatives and like legitimate, you know, small business, online marketing, like digital products, everything. Yeah. And all of these people have a nine to five job. And they're you know? all just, just selling. And they're doing these other, they're like. Selling stuff on the side, basically. Yeah. And they're working, you know, like another six to eight hours when they get home from their job so that they can do it. And then they transition to doing it full time when it's making enough mm. revenue. And, um, you know, which is why a lot of people, a lot of people who are musicians are also baristas and mm. whatever. And I, I'm not sure where it became uncool to be that guy. Mm. But like, if you are like, okay, I'm not doing anything. I'm only working on my music. There better be some kind of financial support happening. Um, Well, I mean, I suppose you're right. Obviously, the the first thing to understand is if you're going to do this, you've got to hustle up and you've got to come up with the cash somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Now there there is there are options for raising finance that I think some people either neglect or don't think of because label major labels are just banks really yeah yeah in a, they're, they're just, just gonna, investing yeah. in what you've got they've got They'll services as well a lot out of you to exactly do it. <laughs> and, and you know in my personal situation when it came to getting to the point where i was going to raise some finance to do something in a big way i mean number one i had like you say a retail history i had a project that was right. doing doing numbers and it was selling things and it was a business in in the start but right now there's lots of revenue sources in music. The oh, traditional yeah. music infrastructure kind of split it out for a lot of its own purposes. But when you've got publishing live, merch rights, um, obviously master, yeah. streaming, sync. If you are going to be an independent music musician who's going to say, right, every single one of these revenue streams, <coughs> I'm going to put into one company. 
which mm-hmm. is the way I did things. I said, right, right. every single bit of income that I'm going to generate from every single one of these things is all going to go into one company. And yeah. then you go to people with cash, mm-hmm. you know, and there are plenty of people out in the world that if you have an entity that has value and something that is interesting, right. people will invest into it. I know. They'll give you cash for, for, for a chunk of that pie. Yeah. I mean, I'm a rock artist and I have friends who, and I've actually been solicited for as well, for like gym sponsorships, mm. like gyms who want to put their brand on your tour bus. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and like, yeah. Have um, have these partnerships with these brands that you know where the genre kind of works in with things, and I think something that's you know interesting to research. Even though I I'm not a big advocate of looking at like the top artist in your genre and trying to simulate their life because it's the same thing. Like it looks like something, but achieving it's totally different. Yeah. However, look at product placements. Mm. You know, look at where different people are. You know, and for so for on that side of things, as far as like sponsorships and partnerships, it can be difficult. But like local businesses, they might not be able to give you a hundred thousand dollars, but they might give you something. Yeah, you know, to work out at their gym or to do product. I mean, that's what influencers do. Like, you know, Kendall Jenner makes two hundred fifty thousand dollars for mentioning anything in a post. Now, obviously, we're not Kendall Jenner, so Mm -hmm. we're not going to make that kind of money, but. Um, there are a lot of businesses that are investing because they understand that music is a lifestyle mm. kind of branding. And so there are sponsorships to be had. Um, I know also like you have some experience with finding investors. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, th- that's kind of what, what I was getting across. It ties into what we said at the start about focusing on the product. Yeah. You know, by the time I was even considering trying to find investors, mm-hmm. I had the album ready. Mm. You know, I had the songs ready. I had my marketing strategy ready. We had tour plans ready. We had right. great people in the team. We also had a retail chain. We had sales to look at. We had ticket sales to look at. Right. And it was about finding someone who not only th- thought the product was potentially successful, mm-hmm. because it's all um, – What's the word I'm looking for? It's all perspective anyway. Right. You know, when people are coming in to invest into music, they often understand that it's quite risky. But the point being is the rewards are also quite big as well. So if you can create a a company, an entity where there really is some potential to make money out of some great product, there are plenty and plenty of people out there in the world, if you really look hard enough, that are going to want to put some serious cash into that. And that you don't always have to assume that the only way to do it is going to a label. Yeah. So, yeah, similar to the way that we were talking about record labels, though. That's why it's so important to measure your progress and to have numbers and have real actionable data, which we've talked about, you know, you and I before. But, you know, showing them 100,000 followers on Instagram mm. does not mean, oh, look, I have revenue for you to build upon, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so you should look at, in, in my opinion, the conversation that you have with a label, with a manager, with an investor – should all be very similar in that, look, there's an established business on a trajectory. Help me exponent that trajectory. Um, and so it's it's just interesting because there's so many reasons why you should be keeping good track of these things and establishing some kind of revenue um, or at least having a product that's like, this is going to work. You know, like it should be really solid before you're worried about bringing anyone in from the external. And the, that can be... That can be just in your hometown. Yeah, absolutely. That can be a very, very, very small system. But as long as you can show that there's 
investment potential that it can mm-hmm. earn more than it's costing to to run right. uh, and, I'm, and i'm not saying that isn't insanely difficult on a small level especially with music mm-hmm. um but i'm totally with you there like you can you can go to companies especially like tech companies like cobalt or like labels or investors yeah. and you can say hey look at my tiny little business here but right. if we can apply this now across every city in the uk right. instead of just in brentwood right we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna win so yeah because the look the sound and your styling is not going to be enough for you to be you know strikingly different mm. i think there's a level of sophistication and business savvy that you need to have to really make an impression on these people because They've just been, I mean, they've been approached, investors will have been approached by Mm. people of all kinds, not just, you know, the music side. They'll have worked in business. They'll Mm. know all kinds of types of people and the labels and, you know, even when a playlist curator, (laughs) again, they're being hit up all the time. People want something from them all the time. So if you get the time of day from them, if you get an opportunity to speak to them, you want to be able to present something that's like, look, mm. this is what we're doing. We have a plan and it's working mm. and be a part of that with us. And when you have that kind of inclusive communication, but it's not like pull me, pluck me out of obscurity yeah. into something, there's just far more mutual respect and um, they're more likely to actually consider you versus the thousands of other people who are trying to be considered. And the other thing to bear in mind is, as in our project that we've been figuring mm-hmm. out, you might get to the point where you realize that it's profitable and you have things that are working and you go, great, let's just crack on. Right. And, you know, if you're in a position where you want to be in control of your own destiny and you want to be in control of your own art, there's there's never a better time. If you focus down and drill down on these techniques and get this down and really understand the process, my personal vibe is that I – get a massive kick out of waking up every day and going, let's hustle, let's figure it out, let's figure yeah. out more problems today, let's understand how we can grow this more. And we've, we're going from, you know, doing our shows in the UK, going over to Europe now, hopefully going over to America later in the year. And it's just, I love the, the grind of it every day. Yeah. That to me is like, that journey is so empowering and I love it. And I think that if I didn't have that, I think I'd have like a hole in my life of you stuff know, that I want to apply myself into, you know? Yeah, I think it's it's funny you say that because I have a friend who's in fashion mm. and she, you know, she's talked about this stuff a lot before where she was like, you know, talking about all these digital marketing techniques yeah, yeah. and tasks and whatever and how she's like, I see why people are resistant to it and are overwhelmed. And she's like, but that's the world now. Mm. And if you don't like those things and you only like designing your line, then you don't like the things that are part of this occupation anymore Mm -hmm. because digital marketing has become part of the job. And you, you understand that like if you're listening to this video, like, or if you're watching this video, you understand that in the way that you're probably doing things on your social media channels, you don't realize it, but that's a form of digital marketing. You're marketing yourself. Um, but it's not, intelligent mm. digital marketing it's the bare minimum but that you under you probably understand that social media is part of your job mm. to be a musician mm. however if you don't understand like oh i need to learn yeah I, I need to learn these tech things mm. and i need to like take it to the next level if you're like i don't want to deal with that you don't actually want to be a career musician in the age we live in now because that's part of the job, that's part of the occupational title now, you know, if you want to be a musician, independent or signed, 
there are new qualifications for the job that include this digital marketing stuff, mm. period. Too right. I can't thank you enough for, oh, my for pleasure. doing this little experiment with <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, thank you for having I hope me. We've injected a little bit of positivity and knowledge into the world for people that are looking for it. But Absolutely. all in all, I genuinely feel um, to everyone watching, uh, obviously, thanks for, for tuning in. But I hope you, you pick something up and I hope that you wake up tomorrow morning feeling that little bit more invigorated to learn something new uh, and to sort of go and, go and attack it with all the might you've got. Yeah. And, uh,